0: Welcome back ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the SEBI podcast radio show, a new year, new decade, a new era here inside Studio Z, myself and my ride partner, Mike Gray. After a long three and a half week layoff for the holidays, we're back in action. We look ahead and look back to wildcard weekend and talk about that and the divisional round and of course some head coaching vacancies. To top it off, we talk about the NBA and much, much more live inside Studio Z. Let's get to it. This is Seppy Podcast. podcast radio show with mike my man my ride partner from the dmv area happy
1: new year my man happy new year it's been Getting a chance to tell you that uh how you feeling today uh man, happy new year to you as well i'm feeling great uh, i just started snowing out here we just got our first our first sight of snow so uh, I'm, I'm pretty good I, I actually enjoy the snow weather so i'm doing real good right now How about you said man i wish i was out there i mean not not like that
0: but you know you know, I kind of like the cold weather. We have one season only down here; <laughs> <laughs> it's hot year round, so we don't know anything about uh, we don't know anything about uh, snow. In fact, I went to I went up north a couple years ago just to see snow. It decided to snow two days after I left. So, bittersweet disappointment, but you know, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, man. It's all good. Yes, indeed, it's all good as well. We look back to 2019, and we had a great and fantastic year. And with my ride partner, Mike Gray, who would have known, it's been a year with our partnership and our collaboration. We've had a great 2019. A lot of panelists come show. A lot of for all the
1: awesome oh, great ones, though. I mean, just the fact that when you look back and say, "Wow, it's really been a year." It's, it, it went by so fast. It's been it's been it's been a great time. That that's just how much joy and how much we love doing what we do. And you're right, we've made some great memories, and I, I just hope we continue to make more, even more. Yeah, no doubt there, for
0: sure. We look ahead to a new decade, new year, a new era, and our <laughs> partnership here, for sure, on the Savvy Podcast Radio Show, live inside Studio Z, inside WNSC Radio. And Mike, 2020s already started off with a bang. Um, I, I don't even know where
1: to start off, Mike man i'm telling you though we got man it's so much going on wild card and nba stuff these new head coaches getting hired we'll get into my new york football giants later but it's, it's it, it, you're right it's a lot <laughs> going on right now um it's, it's a lot but this wild card weekend was probably the biggest <laughs> well let's start off with that wild card weekend more like wild wild for
0: sure indeed let's start off with what we saw down there in H town in Houston, Texas, where the bills and the Texans squared off in the first uh, wild card weekend last this past Saturday, there, Josh Allen first career postseason start going against Deshaun Watson. JJ watt came prepared back even ahead of schedule to postpone his surgery, just to play in the playoffs. And, Boy, did he make a difference in that second half. Mike, what did you see in that game?
1: Well, I saw J.J. Watt put on the show. He had a great game. But in that first half, I saw a Buffalo team come out firing. But the problem with them coming out firing, you got to put touchdowns on the board when you're on the road and you're the underdog. You know, the problem started be going into the second half and, you know, part of that going to that third quarter. uh the, the Bills were up 16 to nothing. But if you were watching the game, it felt like they were up 24, 28 to nothing. I mean, they absolutely dominated the game. But they didn't cash, up, cash in in the red zone when they needed to score touchdowns. And, I, and that's that's one of the things that gave Houston life in the second half when they were able to make that comeback. You know, a few a few players were able to go their way. J.J. Watt had a great second, second half getting pressure on the quarterback along with others. And the, the, the ball just seemed to bounce their way. Josh Allen, he his first playoff game, he played good in the first half. He made a lot of big-time run, uh, runs and reads throwing the ball. But you could tell a couple of rookie mistakes that uh, he he wish he would have had back in this game that really caused them. And uh, but Houston capitalized on it. The ball was able to bounce their way in the second half. Deshaun Watson uh started to get some protection, and uh, he he started to trust his offensive line a lot more in the second half. Uh, just getting he started to get hot looking for receivers and all and everything. But you know, what what I really took away from this game is that uh, this offensive line uh, for Houston is a problem, and the deeper they get into the playoffs, the more it's going to get exposed. And another thing I took from it is that Buffalo. With that, uh, they showed their inexperience in this playoff game by not capitalizing on opportunities and then not need- not being able to close when you had a lead. See, coming into this game, like I, 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 you know, I,
0: I, I thought about it and I actually like Buffalo in this game. So they started off hot. I, I like their excellent defense. I knew they were going against they were vicious front up front guys <laughs> like Carl Lawson, Ed Oliver, uh Murphy, and those guys, and they really got after him because I thought the. Deciding factor in the game would be their defensive line against that weak offensive line mm-hmm. that the Texans had and they really dominated for the first three quarters. I thought the I actually thought the MVP of the game was Singletary. Gotcha. Boy, I mean, you you put him in the backfield. He could run between the tackles, run outside. They even lined him up and gave him some screen passes to line him up against linebackers like uh Rodney Merciless and others, and and he was making plays. So and he just refused to go down. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Buffalo's got a great future, especially with him, uh, as their tailback. Um, but when it mattered most, you know, big players and big stages made noise and JJ Watt got stops and created pressure with others. And how good is Deshaun Watson? I think sometimes, uh, i Marvel and I say, where would the Texans be without Deshaun Watson? Because think about this, their are anemic offensive line. If they didn't have a mobile quarterback, where would they be, Mike? Uh, this guy, Deshaun Watson, we knew coming into the league, he was a winner from Clemson. He just refuses to lose. that spin away from two defenders to get outside and, and scramble, to improvise and throw downfield. And then that, uh, I forgot who the receiver was uh, that um, continued to make play yards after catch to set him up for that game-winning field goal. I mean, that's just Deshaun Watson in a nutshell. The ability to improvise when there is nothing, and to set him up for a field goal, and and, and man, I, that was just an impressive comeback by the Texans
1: for sure. It sure was. And, and to answer one of your questions, where would they be without Deshaun Watson? they nowhere. They'd be at home watching the playoffs, just, just like me and you, because Deshaun Watson is is one of those one of those guys that he's he's, trans, he's transcending for a franchise. And watching him in this game, you could tell that. When he trusts his offensive line and when he's able to get some protection, this brother's special. He's on another level. But it's those times when he doesn't trust his offensive line and he, uh, he, he has that, the, the defenders in the back of his mind where you might see him look for that, one, that first read, maybe his second read, and he's already taken off the run. That's the Deshaun Watson that you know, that, that, that worries me a little bit going deeper in these playoffs is, uh, is, is the Deshaun Watson that first read, second read, boom. Taking off the run already. It was a drive in the fourth quarter, Sebi, in that game where, literally, when they were on that comeback road, literally, it seemed like he was literally running every single play down the yeah. field all the way until they got down, down, down to the end zone. And it was, I was just sitting there like, okay, you're doing what you have to do, and yes, you you're elusive with your legs, but be, as a quarterback, be patient in the pocket a little bit more. I understand you you you're worried about your line. It's a combination of both. He's worried right. about that offensive line, but. I, you know, I just want him to be more patient in the pocket and look look for those reads down the field because trying to do it on yourself, it, it, it worked in this game against Buffalo, but down the line, I don't know how successful you're going to be when you're trying to you and, know, and, and, use and, your name as much as
0: you I, I might not want to defend Deshaun. I mean, you wouldn't think about that. Deshaun Watson, I mean, an excellent passer. He knows how to go through his progression. Dabo Swinney said if you passed up on him, it's like passing up on Michael Jordan before the pre-draft. So you wouldn't think about that, right? right. You know, a guy that is calm and poised and has been played huge in big moments, big games. Um, knows how to throw inside the pocket. Obviously, we know what he can do outside the pocket. But um, you would think that he knows how to go through his progressions one through three, four. But I, I don't want to, you know, be the guy to kind of, you know, sugarcoat and, and um, be on his side. But when you looked at that game, he had no offensive protection up front, and, and I thought that. In his head, he had a clock. He said, yeah. okay, it's just two, three seconds. Okay, if I don't get the ball off and, and I'm still inside the pockets, the rush is coming. You know, it, it may and it may not be four. It may be six. Guys yeah. like Tradavius White, Lorenzo Alexander coming. So I think he knew he had to get outside the pocket and try to make plays happen. Obviously, you know, Will Fuller not there makes a huge difference as well. That's mm-hmm. an added weapon outside um, because they did definitely key in on um, – uh, DeAndre Hopkins, by the way, he had a great second half as well in that comeback as well. So, um, But I think moving on forward, you look at Kansas City up front, you've got guys like Chris Jones. We're not sure if Frank Clark is going to play yet. Um, so th- they're going to have that same problem if they can't handle things up front. And it's going to be key and pivotal for Bill O'Brien's team to get things right before heading to Barbecue
1: City. It sure is. It sure is. And that, that's my only thing. You know, we, you know, we, we know how elite, how electric you are with your legs when you get a chance to run with the football, I just I just worry because I just I just worry the deeper you get into the playoffs if that's the best game plan if that's the best way to go because you know Deshaun Watson he he you you continue to take those hits he's not the biggest guy in the world it's easy to go down off those hits like that so I'm just worried about his safety on that but as far as you know this Houston team you got to give them a lot of credit because uh, that defense really stifled in the second half and made big time plays but Deshaun when it comes to Deshaun Watson next week is going to be key as far as the, you know, the protection, the guys, and, and also whether or not Will Fuller will be able to come back because that's going to be, like you said, that's going to be a huge piece as well.
0: Yeah, they definitely need him against Kansas City and added weapon. By the way, being on the road and probably one of the most hostile environments in Kansas City, probably the silent count would be huge against that noise crowd out there in Arrowhead for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, next game that we have here, obviously the Patriots and the Titans. First of all, before I get into this, the, I think America knows I'm the, <laughs> biggest, the biggest Tom Brady fan. Mike, I'm not here to hear it. I'm not here for the foolishness. I'm not here for the blasphemy. All right? Tom Bartholomew James Brady will return in a Patriots uniform this man will not be going anywhere now you've heard you've heard the noise obviously absolutely and and I'll admit the charges make sense the charges make sense he's got a home out there Uh, we, we tend to forget Tom Brady is from San Mateo and he's a California guy he's got a home out there near the Southern Cal Los Angeles area they've got weapons of course Eckler off the backfield. What is Brady like? He likes guys that he can match up outside with linebackers and safeties. Eckler would be great. You got a great running back in Melvin Gordon. Keenan Allen is one of the more sure-handed receivers in the NFL. Hunt and Henry isn't bad as well. So the receivers are there. They got a good front, Bosa and Ingram. Uh, great tandem. But the way that the Patriots and Tom Brady lost this game, throwing that pick six, and you saw his face walk into that bench. You just knew that he had unfinished business. I expect Tom Brady to be back. I expect him to be all business. I expect him to have that vengeance. I expect him to be emotional. That, you know, that leader that we see, that outspoken leader that gets fired up in the uh, sidelines and tells his defense, let's, let's get some stops and, and gets fired up. I expect that pissed off Tom Brady to be back in a Patriots uniform next season. Now. Now we've rested that case. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? All yeah, right? gotcha. Uh, let's look at this game. Mike Vrabel uh, uh, against the the master, against Tom Brady. Uh, uh, excuse me, Bill Belichick. Normally, you know, head coaches that uh, has been students under Bill Belichick don't really do good in these situations. Right? When we looked at Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniels, his tenure uh, with Tim Tebow and those great years in Denver. Uh, now with Mike Vrabel. As well, and he's actually the one guy. All of a sudden, that's done really well. Beat him last year in a regular season game, and obviously beat him in this postseason game at Gillette, in a place that you know not a lot of teams have success in. I thought the biggest thing, Mike, and it, it feared me too, is stopping that 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 workhorse, that that sledgehammer number twenty two, number twenty two man, boy. I tell you something, Mike. That, man amongst that, boys. Man, look, Mike. I'm watching this game. It is like. Patriots front looked like a peewee squad compared to what the offensive line for the Titans and a beast like that in, in Derrick Henry. The man is a legit 6'5", 240. Mm-hmm. At and, and 242, I believe, and he's coming at you looking to flatline people. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. 30 rushes, over 30 rushes, 182 on the ground. It, and, you, and you look at it, but Belichick defenses don't get run on like that. For all the great things we heard about the Patriots defense the elite secondary probably the greatest of all time and stuff like that one of the Achilles heels was against they were submissive against the run and so I thought Mike Vrabel did a fantastic job he said even if we're in third and long and third and, and unmanageable situations we're gonna run the football and take the ball away from Tanner Hill hands because we do not want to make errant throws and give this Patriots uh, a secondary and this crowd life. And I thought that was just the difference of the game. The defense also stepped up as well. Kenny Vaccaro made some huge plays. Um, Jarrell Casey inside the Titans. They're a fundamental team that you have to worry about and, and moving on forward. When they're going to MNC bank in Baltimore, I, I obviously, I think the Ravens will win, but they're going to have to handle 22 because if you look at this, Mike, the Titans are the only remaining team that is so physical They're the most physical team left in football. They want to pound you and they want to beat you in the mouth. And and I think, you know, styles meet fight. Baltimore is the same. So the key is, is going to (laughs) be which team's going to stop their own best, but they're going to have to handle 22 and uh, kudos, kudos
1: to the Tennessee Titans, Mike. Kudos to the Tennessee Titans, Mike. But um, uh, I, I was getting ready to say this are you, are you sure the Titans are the most physical team left? Have you seen this Ravens team this year? Uh, oh, I, I have, I
0: have. Oh, the Ravens man. team, the Ravens team are very physical, and that's where I said the clash of the Titans styles are going to meet fights next week. Oh yeah, week. I, got you. Uh, I, I mean, got you, you, you I got want you. you want a war? You you, <laughs> there's going to be some blood left in those jerseys at the end of the four quarters next week. It will be smash mouth football, and, and that's. I think the, the Titans are a team that takes the persona of their head coach. We know Mike Vrabel, hard-nosed, had to work, come from a farm, had to work to get where he's at. At that point was a rotational player with the Patriots, Richard Seymour, Rodney Harrison and those guys. Then he got the spotlight, always wanted to stop the, the, the run game, pride himself in stopping the run. That That's the team that takes the totality of their head coach's personality. Yep. And, and that's scary because you're going to have to – worry about 22 and he if you're thinking about you're going to stop him low that's not going to work the Patriots did that and it wasn't sure so I, the Tennessee Titans they're, they're they're they've been very impressive to me Mike
1: been very impressive to me as well so especially over the last part of the season where they just started running off a quality amount of wins uh with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback uh this game was very impressive for the Tennessee Titans uh we've seen you are right, right the patriots had a great secondary this, this year they, and then secondaries played very well but they've been very susceptible susceptible to the run this year very so very much so but it's it's just that a lot of teams haven't capitalized off it or stuck yeah. with it as much as they should have um and th- throughout this season but and like things like that happen you know yeah. yeah, yeah. The great secondary they get a lot of pick sixes
0: tom brady gets up on you you look up you're down 17 the you got the running game is out you yep. got exactly you gotta abandon, you gotta throw all your game plan out the door, you gotta start throwing it. So it happens.
1: It happens. That you're absolutely right. Running game is out and it just happened but, but this said be probably the worst matchup for the Patriots in the first round. Because when you talk about how the the Titans play, this is how they play. They run the football. And there's nothing, there was nothing Bill Belichick, said there was nothing the Patriots can do about it. It was it was four or five yards a pop and sometimes big plays every every time. It was it was smash mouth football running right at you. Um uh, and it was special. It was special watching. I think the key in this game, to me, was Sebi was when they were when they when the Titans were down ten to seven and the Patriots were getting ready to score at the one yard line and they were at the goal line getting ready to score a touchdown. Instead of it being seventeen to seven, the defense rose up and made three critical stops uh, when the Patriots decided to run the ball over the left over off the left tackle. They made three key stops back to back to force a field goal. That right there, in my opinion, changed the entire complexity of the game because seventeen to seven or oh, excuse me, 13-7 looks a lot better than 17-7. And for uh, Ryan Tannehill, who uh, had a absolutely absence of a passing game because he didn't need to pass. He, they were running the football so effectively. But um, it, it, it helped them a lot because 13-7 to 7 really, really and – and when you're the underdog on the road, that psychology looks a lot better. So I think that that right there, they may be able to get that touchdown before the second half and then just honing in and understanding the game plan and, and tightening up. And it gave them momentum in the second half. For, that, for how dominant they played, that a goal line stand like that that they had at the end of the first half is what propelled them to play as dominant that they did in the second half, shutting the Patriots out. And how fitting, Sevy, for Logan Ryan, Logan Ryan to get that pick six on Tom Brady to cap to right. close the game off at the end of the game like that. It it, it, <laughs> it was a great moment for the former Patriots. It was a great moment for the Titans, and uh, it, it was it was a better it was a better team that day. The Titans were the better football team that day and they and they deserve to win it yeah yeah and a lot of teams question
0: a lot of people question the six seeded uh tennessee titans you know they were red hot i mean over the last what i believe since week 11 they averaging 32 points per game they got a red hot ryan Tannehill coming in and so obviously Tannehill's is going to be effective because everybody's thinking run so play action must work every time yep and um and they were they, and, and they were as advertised mike they weren't a six seed that was uh, you know, panic. They weren't a six seed that were overwhelmed. Teams come to Gillette. They look at those banners, Mike, and, and and that's what happens because their tunnel is structured that way. The visitors' tunnel is structured. You walk in, you look up, and you see six banners, and they start getting terrified. Mike Vrabel said, "No, we're a hungry team. We came in, uh, we knew what we were up against, and, and they did it. And so, uh, uh, that was an impressive win for them, uh, moving on for from them. I want to go ahead and look at the NFC e- equation here. I was stunned the events that happened in the Superdome because New Orleans to me, those were that was the two teams, one of the two teams in the NFC that I thought that could win. I thought the NFC coming into the playoffs, Mike, was a free-for-all. A lot yeah. anybody could win, you know, from uh Russell Wilson to Green Bay to even uh you know um the Saints and, and the Saints and actually the 49ers were the two teams I was juggling against to say that, okay, maybe one of these two teams are going to represent the NFC. I, I, I didn't know who to pick because I, I thought that Drew Brees had unfinished business to do last year, and I thought what I saw from the 49ers this year, especially with their great defense and their play calling, and they had home field, would be the recipe to get there. And so those two teams were kind of the two teams I was juggling against. But um, And none of my wildest dreams that I think that Kirk Cousins and the Purple Monsters could go down there in the Superdome and did what they did. And they were one of the teams that I thought I automatically, okay, they're going to get blown out the doors. And so what Kirk Cousins did, go out there inside those confounds. It's loud. It's mugged. The, having Thielen, I, I thought, was just an emotional win for this team. Coming back, they have their full horses back. Um, Diggs were obviously was going to get a lot of the attention. But Adam Thielen, seven receptions, a buck 29, huge TD as well. I mean, and and this was about Kirk Cousins, Mike. This was about Kirk Cousins. The notion with him was Kirk Cousins was six and 30 against uh, top 500 teams. zero and nine and in, in playoff, uh, excuse me, on Monday night football games. Everything was against them. And so in the biggest stage and the biggest moment, I thought that this was, this probably was the biggest moment in Kirk Cousins career. Like this, this probably was the biggest moment in Kirk Cousins career. We look back and if, this is an indictment of Kirk Cousin actually maturing and, you know, elevating his game. We look back at this and we say, Mike, this was the game.
1: Yeah, definitely. You're absolutely right. This easily was the biggest game in Kirk Cousins' career. It's his first ever playoff victory. So it has to, it has to be easily his big his biggest game. Um he was impressive. He was impressive. This Vikings team was impressive. Mike Zimmer's coaching scheme was impressive. This this was a very impressive uh uh football team. Sebu when you're on the road and you're an underdog in the playoffs, uh, you go in there with a with a no excuse mentality and a no uh, what's the word for it? A no looking, a no you, you know. At the end of the day, it's 11 or 14. You you, you don't count on the refs to, to give you the calls. Don't count on. You're
0: basically home. going in there with house money. With sure. house
1: money, you're going in there. You're going in there free. You're going in there understanding the situation without and expectations. The Vikings, Mike, the, yep. the, the Vikings. The Vikings have. Oh, one of those teams where you can't look at their record. You have to look at how they're playing the last few weeks, and you have to look at who's on this roster. Because this is a roster that, if you throw their record out, can compete and beat anybody in the NFL. This roster is loaded. This team is loaded. And when they're on, it was so many adverse situations in this game. And you could tell that the Vikings were thoroughly prepared for it. They were prepared for every adverse situation that happened in this game because they seemed unfazed. Every time they uh, – uh when they turned the ball over for Adam Thielen, their defense held them to three. Which was a key, which a key, a key pivotal point early in the game. You know when they when they got down in the red zone uh, uh, and they got the third and goal. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Kirk every like big third down plays. Kirk Cousins was able to find a way when uh, Marshawn Lattimore got hurt and Patrick Robinson came in. Kirk Cousins was able to go deep on that 43 yard pass uh, in overtime and set up first and goal. It's just every time some adversity or something happened in this game, the the Vikings stood tall and and, um, and, and was able to to be resilient. Uh another I want to give Mike Zimba a lot of credit too because I agree, his coaching, Mike. I agree. His <laughs> Definitely out coach Sean Payton. His, his coaching scheme against against Drew Brees was absolutely phenomenal. He knows that his best two out, outside rushers, Everson Griffin and uh Daniel Hunter, uh were going against the Saints best two linemen, the two the two tackles that they have, was would be a mute point because they'd be offsetting each other. We all know that Drew Brees has trouble with pressure coming up the middle. Mike Zimmer decided to put those two outside guys up the middle where the, the where the weakness of that offensive line for the New Orleans Saints is. They were wreaking havoc on Drew Brees all game long. He looked uh, inaccurate at times. He looked uh, flustered. He looked uh, he was rushed with through his progressions. And I think Mike Zimmer putting his outside guys inside and forcing that pressure up the middle really helped and really uh, uh, stifled Drew Brees a lot, so I got to give Mike Zimmer a lot of credit for that. And just this Vikings team, they they were just the more resilient team at the end. Yeah, some breaks some breaks went their way. Will Lux missed the, missed the field goal at the end of the uh, first half that could have possibly won the game for them at the end of the game with that last field goal he had. Um, you know, it was a couple of third down plays that, uh, that 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 they had to capitalize on. It was it was a few. It was, you could argue the push off on the end of the game. I thought it was a push off. But the referees haven't called that call all season long, so they weren't gonna call it in the playoff game to decide the game. But uh at the at the same time, this was this was an amazing this was an amazing from the Minnesota Vikings. And now that they got their first playoff uh victory for Kirk Cousins, I expect them to play with house money against San Francisco. I
0: I agree as well, Mike. Uh, uh real quick, let, let let before we get to the same side of the equation, uh here as well. That was a great no call. The two guys going battling for position to get Uh, to the pile line so they can get positioned to, to, you know, ultimately get the football. Kyle Rudolph did an exceptional job. See, you know, he did, you know, nudge him a little bit. I don't think it was enough for the refs to blow the whistle or to so that was great. I've seen Rob Gronkowski do that play for years in New England. Mm -hmm. Try to get separation and then it's pretty much a jump ball. You're playing basketball and even Kyle Rudolph at the end of the game said that, you know. Exactly. Get that rebound, and so that's exactly, exactly what he did. So that was an exceptional, uh, play call. But New Orleans here, you know, we have to look at them. This this is three years in a row. Drew Brees, one of the hottest quarterbacks coming into the playoffs. Mike last four last four weeks uh, in the month of December, fifteen touchdowns, zero interceptions. I, that's why I thought it, it, Minnesota had no chance. I, I mm-hmm. thought with Michael Thomas, the way that he broke Mar um, Marvin Harrison's uh, receptions record, the way that they were clicking all cylinders on offense. And what happened last year on defense, I thought that this was the Saints' year to potentially put all this aside and re- represent the NFC. And um, got to start pointing fingers. And I think for all the praise we talk about, Bill Belichick, Sean Payton has to take accountability for this, Mike. We praise how great Bill Belichick is, we praise how great Sean Payton is. Is he a top three, top four coach in our game? I respectfully agree. He is. But now you got to start asking them, OK, well, three years ago, the Minneapolis miracle, you didn't put the right personnel to stop the deep ball. And you got beat by Diggs. And, and then two years ago, obviously, that wasn't your fault. You, you didn't you didn't get that play. But there was a lot of plays in that Rams yes. game yes. that was questionable. And you did get out coached by a rookie head coach and Sean McVeigh or a second year head coach. That's not supposed to happen to Sean McVeigh. And uh, Sean Payton, excuse me. And then this year against Mike Zimmer, he did a fantastic job, Mike. A- a- Emerson Griffin and Danil Hunter, uh, this guy's exceptional. Mm. I'm not sure how he didn't make all pro, Mike, but Danil Hunter, one yeah. of the premier pass rushers we have in the NFL. Obviously, what, what he did to create and, and manufacture that late fumble uh, late for the Vikings, although they didn't get points out of it, but still, um, that still stifled a possession for the Saints um uh, late in that game and so yeah I, I have to say this mike and the way dalvin cook ran that football is is great because when you're running the football great everything opens up dig stealing downfield and if they can do the same thing going into the bay area they can run the football successfully five or six yards per route with dalvin cook everything opens up the way that they run the football and the way that they can play defense the Minnesota Vikings, Mike, are live against the Niners.
1: Oh yeah, they they really are. This team is it's set up. This is the team that um, you could take them on the road. You could take you could play out. You can take this team that plays great defense and runs the football like they do, and with the weapons they have throwing the football, you could take them anywhere in the world, and they will play and they will be competitive and they will compete against anybody. So it's, you're absolutely right. This team start and just scratching the surface of how good they could be because you know when once you get that first once you get that first off your back first monkey off your back you know now you're going into another situation where you're an underdog. So you can play with house money you know it's, it's going to be free of free fall for you so you're right this minnesota team with how loaded they are at every position on every level and especially with the head coach that they have the the you talking about the taking the taking up taking the uh from the the morale of your head coach Mike Zimmer is one of those tough, no-nonsense type of guys, and you can tell that this team is following right behind it. Yeah,
0: agree. He's been great, especially since his Cincinnati days there, for sure, under Marvin Lewis, uh, for sure, there as well. Three teams, three underdogs, one in wild card weekend. Not, you know, typical, but um, it's not very surprising either. Obviously, the last one was the Seattle Seahawks. I didn't think this was a major upset. Uh, One team had Russell Wilson. The other team had Carson Wentz. That was the defining line for me, Mike. Um, I think we've had a large sample size now of Carson Wentz. And I said the biggest ability is availability. And that's something that you always have to question with Carson Wentz. This guy, I mean, he's got fragile bones, Mike. I mean, he is. <laughs> about Steph Curry, um, his ankles is made out of glass. Well, We could start saying that now, Carson Wentz, because this guy, four or five years in, obviously he had a great 2017 MVP campaign and then got hurt. And so since then, he really hasn't been himself. We feel for the guy, but you got to start asking, is he a little overrated, Mike? I I, I, I don't know. I would have still kept Nick Foles in that organization. Obviously, he's beloved with the Philadelphia Faithful. But I've always thought that Nick Foles was the ultimate security blanket and the ultimate insurance policy. Now, obviously, he's in down here in Duval, and and you don't have that. You got a forty-year-old Josh McCown, a quarterback, that was pretty much the end of the game. I thought the MVP of this game, Mike, was Jadavian Clowney. I, uh-huh. I look up, and he was making plays everywhere. I mean, Jadavian uh-huh. like Clowney was flying all around in the backfield, stopping the run. His speed against the offensive tackles was just – and his athleticism was just too much to handle. And, and if they can get that type of production, that could bode well for them going into Green Bay. And so, um, obviously, you know what you're going to get with, with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson just fundamentally sound offensively, defensively. But I thought the, the story of the game was a team didn't have a quarterback, but Jenevin Clowney really was a story for me.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Clowny, Clowny put on a show. And normally, when he has a games like these, and the game like he had against San Francisco, when they won in overtime, oh man, he's that takes this team to an entirely different level. Entirely. So you're right. I was right. My MVP for this game was DK Metcalf. To come right. out in your first game and to have that type of offensive show, uh, uh, especially the, with the, with the big plays and you know the big touchdown he had in the second half. I mean, he was special. And he was he was almost one of the lone offensive weapons that they had in this game. It wasn't too much offense in it, but DK Metcalf put on the show. It was it was a good game. I, I I we all knew once Carson Wentz got hit with that concussion in the first half that that was that was the injury. You know, with all the resiliency that the that the Philadelphia Eagles have shown all season, with no uh with uh no not making any excuses for any of the injuries that they've had, they just continue to fight to continue to play, and that's why they were in the position they were in on Sunday. It it just—you could just tell that when Carson Wentz was the one to get hurt, that was the final—that was the nail in the coffin for this team. It's too many injuries, too many, too many, too many players down, and uh, it—it was one of those situations where, yeah, they fought hard. They fought. They—they almost came back and had a chance to win, to tie this game and possibly win it. Uh, But but that they showed the heart of a champion—it just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough against a, a, a better team, a better quarterback at the time. Josh McCown did all that he could in this game. I believe 18 for 24 174 yards or something like that. And uh it was it was it was a pretty it was a pretty decent football game for him, but it just wasn't enough against Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson made enough plays and DK Metcalf made enough plays to to make it happen. And um uh going into next week I expect them I expect them to continue to continue to work, but uh in this game right here once Carson Wentz went down, everybody knew Seattle was going to win this game.
0: Yeah, and this is a team that was decimated with injuries, Mike. I mean, Deshaun Fox and Alshon decimated. Jeffries, a lot of key position players, Jordan Howard, the list goes on. Uh, but the defense kept them in it. My, the The, the yep. vets, you talk about Malcolm Jenkins, Brandon mm-hmm. Graham, Fletcher, Cox, a beast yep. that he is inside. You can't move that fridge. Uh, yep. and, and, and those guys, they kept them in it. But I thought in order for the Eagles to win, they had to create something on defense. Had to create a turnover. Had to create some sort of pick six or fumble recovery for return. And that didn't happen with a guy like Russell Wilson, who's just always sure-handed and and avoiding turnovers. And I thought that was a key to the game. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm not saying this is a game that I was wowed. Obviously, Metcalf had a huge game. They had a huge game, Uh, you know, coming out party for him because all the attention was to lock it. And, and and rightfully so, and he really, really stepped up, and this could be huge for them, you know, because if he can get going as another added weapon, and because this guy is a legit 6'4", he could run a legit 4'3'' speed, Um, and all he's got to work on is route running in his hands, this guy can be a, a huge weapon and a huge target for Russell Wilson. That could be great for them moving on forward uh, as well, but I wasn't too too impressed with what I saw on offense, but Genevieve and Clowney really stood out to me, so that that's that's pretty much where we got there uh, with those games there. And folks, let us know what know what you thought about Wild Card Weekend here, and Side Studio Z. But folks, don't go anywhere because when we come back, we look ahead to the division around and these head coaching vacancies. Mike, I know you want to talk about your New York Blue uh. Football Giants, <laughs> what they did today, all this and much much more live inside Studio Z. Back folks here inside Studio Z, our next stop here Mike, in the NFL news coming out. Ron Rivera to the Washington Redskins. You've got Mike McCarthy now looking to be the next guy in the face of America's team to lead America's team, quote unquote. But I want to start off with your New York football giants. There's been reports today, and now it's been confirmed that the former Patriots wide receivers coach Joe judge. That's right. That's not, you know, judge from, you know, the Bronx, New York or <laughs> playing for the Yankees, but Joe judge is going to be the next face of New York and the next coach for the New York football giants. And there's also been reports that he might be willing Jason Garrett, who has familiarity with the Dallas Cowboys and the inside of the NFC East division. To be his OC, his offensive coordinator. My man Michael
1: Gray. What do you think about that? Um Well, well, put it- I'll put it like this. I'm gonna try to take some positives out of this because you know I spent so much time earlier in the day when I found out about the news, uh, thinking about why, why, why. But yeah, I did my homework, you know, started to, you know, think logical about this situation. This is a guy. He's a he's a young coach. He's thirty eight years old. He's a young guy who, you know, he spent some time on Nick Saban's uh, coaching staff at Alabama. Won a championship. Won a couple championships. Then he came over to the New England and uh, spent some time on the Bill Belichick's coaching staff. He was the special teams coach last year. Uh, the positive is the New England special teams were very very good last year, and they've been very good for the past few years. So this this um th- this guy he knows what he's doing as far as special teams are concerned. Um, I was I was highly I was very high on Matt Rule, that that was my guy. That that's my and, and I thought that'd be a great pick, Mike. It was, it, 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 I, oh man, I thought it was the perfect fit. But, but um, or
0: or Urban Meyer because I I thought that style of offense that he has would fit a Daniel Jones and a Saquon Barkley. So those
1: two were my 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 top two. Okay, it's, it's, it's one of those it's one of those things where it's like. Um. I, I, I want to reserve judgment. I want to give the brother a chance to, to show his to show his show before I before I rush the judgment. But um, it was a couple of guys I wanted in, 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 instead of him that we I'm surprised we couldn't get. I mean, obviously the Panthers got Matt Rule, but you know it it was just interesting to me that on the same day that we were scheduled to have an interview with him, he just automatically signs with the Panthers. You know that lets me know that this was planned ahead. This was something that that was premeditated. This wasn't this didn't just come up overnight. The, Matt Rule had the Panthers in lock, but the Panthers had their eyes on Matt Rule, and this had to be something that a few days ago was.
0: And he got table. paid like
1: he definitely and, oh, got man, paid. did. He and he deserves it. He deserved what he did with Baylor and that how he was able to turn that franchise around and how he's just a leader of men and he's no nonsense. That's the type of guy I wanted in our locker room that we needed for this young core. But um, it, it didn't happen that way. We got Joe Judge. Um, the, the brother know the brother um excelled in special teams with the Patriots. Uh, he's a winner. He's coming from. Two winning environments, both in the collegiate level and on the pro level. So I, I'm a reserved judgment so far to see because uh, I don't know. I don't know how good he could be as a head coach because I've never seen him as a head coach. And and coming in, coming into it with these young guys, he has some young weapons to work with. But uh, I, I definitely want to see the moves he makes and the the culture that he emanates over there in New in New York City because we all know how the New York City can get if you if you're not living up to expectations. That media is rough on you and they let you have it. So. Uh, um, I'll I'll reserve judgment on on Joe Judge. But uh, so so far, it was a couple of people I wanted in front of him. But we have Joe Judge now. We have to move Mm -hmm. on. And uh, we'll see. We'll see see where we go from here. Uh, Other big vacancies, Ron Rivera. I thought that was a huge one, Mike.
0: Right there in your backyard uh, with the Redskins, that was huge. And he brought along Jack Del Rio. And so that's going to be exceptional. they got some great talent on that defense. Talk about Marquez Sweat. Um and uh the the other cats, I can't remember his name at the moment, but they've got some some great names that you don't oh, yeah. know about. Uh and so obviously I, I thought Urb Meyer might be a look. You you've got the, the quarterback, you've you've got the wideout, both from Ohio State. I thought that, you know, familiarity would be Urb Meyer would want to consider something like that. So I thought that was huge for them as well. But Mike McCarthy, I, I don't think it was a bad a, a bad they can see higher, but it wasn't the splash that the Dallas Cowboys was looking for. Right. Yes, I mean, you look at it, Mike, and Mike McCarthy is a very competent coach. In 13 seasons in Green Bay, nine postseason appearances, only Bill Belichick has more. You know, So uh, he, he's a guy that has a great resume. He's a Super Bowl champion coach. And what um,
1: uh, your thoughts about that? Uh, yeah. Well, first with Ron Rivera. I'm not even gonna lie to you, Sebi. I think the Redskins have made some of the best moves in this offseason so far as far as a former a front office perspective. I mean, to be honest with you, the Redskins with these moves can really have pushed themselves, in my opinion, back in this NFC East race. Because Ron Rivera is an exceptional coach. Jack Del Rio is a great defensive coordinator. But Sebi, I'm gonna tell you about the one piece that the Redskins added to this team that I think is is uh, is very slept on and I think is is not getting enough credit. They moved on from Dr. Kevin Wilk as the medical consultant to work with new head trainer Ryan Vermilion. Vermilion, I believe, is how you say it. It's a great look. This is, he, for for the for people that don't know, he he he's exceptional. And, and 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 the problem with the Redskins, in my opinion, the last three or four years has been durability because players are being hurt time after time after time again. And then, you know, you had that situation with Trent Williams where he wasn't getting along with the medical staff. So it was a whole bunch of debacles. So they had to make a move. But I think this move right here was probably as big, if not bigger than the head coach and, and the defensive coordinator position that they got. But you're absolutely right about Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, it wasn't a great pickup. It, it, it wasn't a bad pickup, but you're right. It, could, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the biggest pickup at all. You know, I've talked to some Cowboy fans that are, you know, very happy about it. But I've also talked to some Cowboy fans that are, are opposed to this. And they, they're wondering why this happened. You know, we we basically – some of them think we went from one puppet to another. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because we're, as far as the Cowboys coach is concerned, I've always had the mindset that if Jerry Jones is going to continue to be overshadowing the head coach and continue to do what he does as far as, you know, being the first one that the media talks to after every game, being the one we hear from, for for day to day situations that go on with the team, if he's going to do that, then I don't care who they bring in this in this in this team because they're never going to excel and be the best head coach that they possibly could have been. Mike Mike McCarthy, if he wants to be, uh, if he wants to be the best head coach that he could be for the Dallas Cowboys, he had to let Jerry know. Look, I need to be the head coach. I need to be the run calling the shots on this team, making things happen. And it's well,
0: th- Jerry that guy. You think Jerry and Stephen Jones will give that type of power to? Mike McCarthy uh, oh, because no. they need some type of structure I, I thought the biggest thing for the Dallas Cowboys this year was they needed somebody in that locker room to have that culture that environment there who are the leaders we ask yourself a right. uh, third year or fourth year guy Ezekiel Elliott Dak Prescott who are the leaders in this locker room so is Jerry and Stephen willing to give up that type of authority
1: down there in Big D? I think they will because of a coach like Mike McCarthy. Like Mike McCarthy is a step above Jason Garrett as far as when it comes to control and leader of men. You know he, he he's done it. He's done it at a, at a much higher level and done it better over a long period of time. So I think Mike McCarthy's name alone will ring bells in that organization. And a fresh start alone will will will, will definitely uh, boost and boost this team and and help them out as far as that concern. But I don't know, man. It's tough because this is what we've seen from Jerry Jones. We've seen this kind of Jerry Jones ever since Jimmy Johnson, the whole Jimmy Johnson situation. So I, I, I don't I don't see it stopping unless, you know, Mike McCarthy puts his foot down and, you know, stands his ground. But outside of that, I mean, if Jerry Jones is continuing to, to be the Jerry Jones that we've seen for the past 20-plus years, then I I really don't care who they bring in as head coach. It's going to be the same situation. Yeah, definitely there as well. Um, A lot of keep our eyes on there. Uh, with all these coaching vacancies
0: and of course America's team. <laughs> I always wanna worry who can Mike McCarthy be the one to lead America's team, quote unquote the Dallas Cowboys for sure. Other intriguing and very attractive head coaching places. I th- I think Cleveland is still one. Oh, yeah. they, they've got a gr- they got the quarterback, they've got the wideouts, um Chubb and also Hunt is one of the best top two uh, uh you know, one-two punches as in, as in terms of tailbacks in the NFL. They got some opportunistic players on that defense. I, I think that's a very attractive play for any head
1: coach. Any guys that stands out to you, Mike, for that, for that spot? Probably, the, uh, probably Urban Meyer. For the Cleveland Browns, probably Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer with those weapons offensively. Uh, I, I'm here to tell you right now, Sebby, uh All NFL, all depending on the head coach that the Cleveland Browns get, they can have one of the top offenses in football next year. With, with all with all their weapons coming together finally for a full offseason a full season. They can have the best offense one of the best offenses in of football next year depending on who they bring in but I like I like Urban Meyer in that system for them. Um I don't know if the 49ers defensive uh uh coordinator would would would, would fit with them but I know Robert he, Salah, yep mm-hmm. He would help, he would definitely help uh the culture out there because Cleveland needs a culture change, a culture a, a complete culture uh improvement because Last year, they lost that season. They, they 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 lost last season based off their culture and the fact that they had nobody that would be like, okay, boom, yes, we lost, boom. It it, it was a process. It was nobody there to be able to, okay, yeah, we lost. Let, let's not make this play. Yeah, we lost. It was nobody there to help them when it came to adversity, handle adversity better than they did. So I think uh, a, a coach like him uh, and also somebody like Urban Meyer would be great pitch for them. Yeah, and and
0: Mike, I'm actually going to pick you back on what you said as well. I think Urban Meyer would be great. Obviously, he's an Ohio guy. Um, You know what he did in Ohio State, leaving a legacy there. Um, He wouldn't be too far from his family out there in Ohio. Give this man a chance in the pros. He's done it all in the collegiate game, Nevada, Florida, Ohio State. Give this man an opportunity to do it in the pros. He's got great talent offensively. He's not starting off with anybody. And here's another thing, Mike. I say – bring Marvin Lewis as your defensive coordinator. Here's why. Familiarity playing in the AFC North. Obviously, former uh, defensive uh, head coach, specialist for the Cincinnati Bengals. So he has familiarity playing in Heinz Field, playing in a confines in the M&T Bank Stadium. So I, I think those two guys in Cleveland could help that culture change around because what Urban Meyer does is he, he's he, he's one of those guys where He's a charisma guy, Mike. Like, yep. you, you get – you see – you come in a room, you see Urban Meyer, you, see, you can't help but to joke around and start laughing and smiling. I think he's going to bring that into the locker room, but also when the time needs to be business, he'll be that guy. And then defensively, you got cats like uh, uh, Miles Garrett. You've got Denzel Ward. you got guys out there the are great players on that defense that can help a scheme – that Marvin Lewis wants to play out there in Cleveland. Those two guys would be uh, probably the two candidates, I'd say, uh, for um, John Dorsey and those cats out there.
1: Got you, yeah. And that, that, that would be a great pick because, like I said, this Cleveland team has a chance to be very special. But I think it takes a certain coach to come in there and really shape the culture and really get to those guys because they, they have a lot of talent and they could be very special. Definitely there for sure. Our
0: head coach is there quickly. Let's move on here.
1: Back to the playoffs, Mike. So we we'll start off with
0: 435 Eastern on Saturday. You've got the Vikings, the lowest NFC team that won. Huge upset in the Superdome. Another
1: major challenge going out there in San Francisco. Mike,
0: early thoughts on that?
1: Uh, definitely. It's going to be a tough physical football game. These are two great defenses. Uh, two 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 very solid quarterbacks that are playing at a high level right now. And uh, it's just a great matchup. I, I like, I like uh, the Minnesota Vikings in this game. I really wow. do. I, I like the Vikings because I, I, I understand what this type of team can bring to the table. This team right here with the great defensive line, solid linebacker core, and a solid secondary, along with the fact that they have a very solid offensive line and weapons galore all over the offense as far as receivers, uh, running backs, and, uh, and Kirk Cousins playing at a high level right now. I think Kirk Cousins – this is the biggest factor for me. I think Kirk Cousins playing uh, – getting that first playoff win off Monkey off his back, he will be able to play. So you will be able – you will see the freest Kirk Cousins you've ever seen in his career this game against San Francisco because he already got that Monkey off his back. He already – they weren't expected to beat the Saints. They got that part out of the way. Now they go in this game with house money. They have nothing to lose. And when you have nothing to lose, you go out there, you tend to play more free. And I think that's what is going to happen with the Vikings in this game. Give me the Vikings on the road. Uh, I I, I like them to win this game somewhere along the lines of 27
0: 24. Wow, wow. That'd be huge, right? The 49ers, the one seed, getting knocked out (laughs) the second week of the playoffs. That'd be huge there as well. It's not a bad pick. The Vikings are coming off with a lot of confidence, red hot, of course, in that emotional win that they got out there in New Orleans. But. That being said, Mike, I got to take the gold rush of the San Francisco 49ers. A huge key reason why Minnesota is very successful against the Saints was against that secondary that they got. Marshall Alonbo goes down. Immediately, Mike, I don't know if you noticed, Kirk Cousins decides to pick on Patrick Robinson, a rotational player that comes in a game, and they go deep on him. You can't really do that against the San Francisco 49ers Robert Salad, that base defense they got. First of all, you got to handle that front four. Good luck. Right. Bosa. Uh, you got Bosa, Force Buckner, and others coming after you. And then the secondary, led by Richard Sherman, although he doesn't have the stepper. Players are starting to play. I, I like them uh, 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 on that side. And I think the play calling of Kyle Shanahan, mm. getting guys like George Kittle, all pro tight end that he is, Emmanuel Sanders open. They, the, the thing I like about San Francisco, Mike, is Kyle Shanahan runs plays to get his receivers running open routes, and I think that's going to be huge for Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll take the Niners, uh, and, and I think they'll win by a touchdown, Mike. I I think they'll, gotcha. they'll, they'll win okay. very, very, you know,
1: emphatically, I think they'll win by a touchdown. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, I I I, I see where you're coming from, and you're right, Kyle Shanahan. If Kyle Shanahan starts getting very tricky with the plays, tr- the play calls, and start fooling them, and they they jump out to a big lead, you can forget about it. You know, but I just feel like this Minnesota team is gonna play better than New Orleans, better than the game that they played at at New Orleans, and 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 play even much more uh intensified to an even higher level. So I'm I'm going with the Vikings, but you're right, this San Francisco team, ooh, yeah, it's scary.
0: Yeah, very scary. Therefore, you're worthy of that top seed that they got out there in the NFC. There's a new era in the AFC, Mike. I don't know if you know this. So since 2000, right, the only quarterbacks they ever make it to Superboy, if your last name is Mr. Peyton Manning, Mr. Ben Roethlisberger, or Mr. Tom Brady. So there's a new era now. You know, it will be either Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, Patrick Mahomes, or Deshaun Watson that will be representing the AFC. Talk about a new decade, new era. (laughs) That's going to be huge. A young quarterback will represent the AFC this year. We start off Saturday night in M.T. Bank Stadium. The Baltimore Ravens, they kick off their <clears throat> Super Bowl campaign, hosting the red physical Derrick Henry and that physical team. Mike, that's going to be huge.
1: Uh, your thoughts about that? You're right. This is going to you like we talked about earlier. This is the Clash of the Titans styles make fight. Now, the problem with the problem with... Uh, Tennessee and I have with them in this game is that I they won't be able, I don't I don't see them being able to run the ball 30 40 times in this game and thinking that they're going to come out and win. The only the only way that'll happen is if they control the the game and the game never gets away from them. The moment the Ravens uh start to get a big lead on, if the Ravens get a big lead on them and they start dominating that takes the running game away from Tennessee, and that puts the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hands. And I don't, and I don't think Tennessee wants that to happen. So I think they'll try to avoid that at all costs. I think they want this game to be won by Derrick Henry, uh, once again. And, and, but I just feel like they're too one-dimensional going against this tough Baltimore Ravens team. You have Ryan Tannehill. Baltimore has Lamar Jackson, and the way he's playing this year, he's easily going to be the clear-cut MVP. And it's absolutely, it's absolutely sensational how he's playing. But not only just him, this game that Baltimore has around him is, abs- is, is, is is something that we may not ever see again as far as how a team has galvanated around a quarterback. This yeah. is amazing. They've they tailored and their entire offense. Entire offense. Oh, I around mean, number eight, yep. You're talking about, you know, with, with Derrick Henry running the ball for, you know, a, a lot of yards. You know, he had 182 yards last week. The Ravens averaged 200 yards for an entire team. That's just they're right. just overwhelming for you, and I feel like the Ravens are gonna are gonna win this game. I, I think it's gonna be close early on, but I think later on in the game, uh, the, the Ravens will break away and, and win probably by double digits. Yeah, I
0: agree with you, Mike. I think the Ravens this is a bad matchup for for the Tennessee Titans. They're gonna win by double digits and might not even be close, Mike. <laughs> um, I, I think obviously John John Harbaugh, you know how I love me some John Harbaugh. I think he's an exceptional coach. I put him up there with the. Sean Payton with the Bill Belichick's mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin to the world gotcha. I think he is that elite mm-hmm. he's he saw what happened in New England and so they him and Dean Peace uh, uh Marty Martin Wigg and, and what they saw they're going to game plan on defense I can I can assure you Mike I can assure you this the Baltimore Ravens will not allow Derrick Henry to win the game or it will have to be under the arms of Ryan Tannehill, that's a recipe for disaster. I think they'll key on an A.J. Brown. You have Earl Thomas. They're going to create a couple turnovers. I think Baltimore wins quite handily in this game. I, I don't think it, it'll be uh, uh, pretty much of a fight at all. The the Ravens front, they really know how to stop that the uh, the, the run. I mean, you've got guys like uh, Judon inside. I know who's one of your favorite players oh, yeah. on that Baltimore team. Oh yeah, And of course, a couple of other players that they have as well. They pride themselves. The great leader that Earl Thomas is, they've got leaders everywhere, Mike. You talk about Earl Thomas, the locker room, Justin Tucker, yep. great, great uh, 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 kicker. This team really doesn't have any huge weaknesses at all. Lamar Jackson, I expect him to do some damage on the ground with his legs. So, yeah, give me Baltimore, especially at home and that crowd. They'll win by
1: double digits for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you, you, Sebby, when you are underdog and you're going on the road in the playoffs, you can't go into somebody else's building being one dimensional. And that's what the Titans are right now. You have to be able to win multiple ways, just in case you come up against a scheme where that that is able to stifle your your main option. And I don't see Ryan Tannehill being able to beat this Baltimore Ravens team if Derrick Henry isn't able to get it going.
0: Right there for sure. From there we go to barbecue city. That sets up the clash of the Titans for quarterbacks, right? Patrick Mahomes and. Also, Deshaun Watson, these two cats, <laughs> they're probably gonna set up and light up the fireworks in this one. But here is a key thing, Mike. Yep, these two teams met early on this year, yes, they and did. The Texans went into Arrowhead, yes, they and did. beat them 31 24, yes, they so did. this is the rematch, Mike. Your thoughts
1: this second time around, yes, they did, Sebby. And because of that, because of them going into Kansas City during the regular season. And, and winning that game and knowing that they can go in there and they're not afraid of Kansas City. They know they can go in there and get a win. I'm still picking Kansas City to win the football game. But I'm picking Kansas City to win a, a nail-biter instead of a possible blowout because I feel like had Houston not gone into Kansas City and won that game early in the regular season, then they would have got blown out in this game because it, it's, it's, a, it's different when you go in there and you know you've won. You know you can win. So you they're going to play tough. Houston is going to be play lights out in this game. They're going to play very competitive. It's going to be a back and forth ball game. I just don't think they'll have enough in the end. I think Deshaun Watson will get hit too much at the end. I think the offensive line will miss a protection, a key play uh, down the stretch to uh, help. And Patrick Mahomes is going to is going to is going to be lights out. And I expect him to put up put up big time numbers and have a field day in this game. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs uh, to edge to edge out the Houston Texans. I want to say somewhere along the lines of thirty one to twenty four. Wow, which is actually wow, the opposite okay. of the score.
0: Was that, which actually was the, the, the score <laughs> of the
1: opposite time. That's right. That's right.
0: Mike, this might be the one. This might be the one. I, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm looking to see which game might be the upset in this one. This might just be the one. This one is close with the next game, Green Bay in Seattle, but this might be the one. Um, gosh, man, I'm so gonna do it? it. But you know what? I, I'm gonna take it, man. I, I'm I'm gonna do it. That This means no Super Bowl for Andy Reid yet again, yet again. and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take this. Now, this is nervous to me because I don't trust that offensive line of the Texans. But, yeah. man, Deshaun Watson is just a winner. He showed me so much since high school, since Clemson. He refuses to go down, Mike. This man is a giant that refuses to lose in big games. And we've seen him in high-leverage moments just find a way to win. He reminds me of maybe the Russell Wilson of the AFC, just a road warrior. Mm-hmm. He finds a way to win ball games. Yep. I don't know how it is. Um, I, I'm taking the Texans with ultimately thinking that, okay, Will is going to play because there's no way. If he doesn't play, there's no way they're going to win this football game. But gotcha. if he plays, you got Stills, you got Hopkins, you got him. You can't double-team anybody. So <laughs> that's going to be the opportunity. I think they're going to open up the playbook. Throw, throw outside much like they did and then what they did Mike last time around is they they clock managed they yep. ran the football and they kept the ball away they sure from did. Patrick Mahomes if they can do that work some silent counts because Airhead's gonna be rocking so I think this is the one Mike I'm, I'm, I'm picking I think this is the one that could potentially be an upset I wouldn't be surprised if Patrick Mahomes makes his heroic slate but I think this is the one that the Texans can go in, go out there again and finally, Bill O'Brien,
1: def gets over that hump and finally gets the AFC title game. Man, that, wouldn't that be something, man? Wouldn't that be something? Deshaun Watson making it to the AFC Championship game, wouldn't that man. be something, man? But I and I don't know, so I think it's gonna be very tough. I, I I see it happening. I see it happen because we've seen it happen before. It, it could it could happen, but I just think this 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 Kansas City team coming off some rest. A much-needed rest, a bye week. I think that they'll be fully prepared for this game, and I think they're gonna come in with a uh, Andy reason and come in with a great game plan. And uh, he, they understand the moment. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, no, nah, but of course, number ten out there scares me, Mr. Yeah. Cheetah Tyree <laughs> I you know? hey oh, that, hey man, oh, Kelsey yeah. scares me. But I, I'm, I'm banking on Deshaun Watson here. So who knows? Maybe I may be wrong here. And the final game will be, in the Frozen Tundra. We've seen some great playoff games in Lambeau Field. I've oh yeah. Come- like Reggie White back in those days to Brett Favre to, I mean, Charles Woodson and Rodgers. We've seen it all. So it's back at Lambeau, but this time around it gets Seattle, but it's not going to be those that rivalry that we've seen early on in Russell Wilson's years where they had home field and they were playing it in Seattle. It's at green Bay this time. And this time around, Mike, I think green Bay wins. And and here's why I, I, I think, out of all the quarterbacks, I think Aaron Rodgers is the one that's going to benefit off the, the most The most with the bye week. He needed time to recuperate. Yep. There was a lot of noise this year that Aaron Rodgers wasn't the same down the stretch. He wasn't the same this year. I think giving him two weeks to prepare, the game plan, at home, Devontae Adams getting uh, two weeks to prepare with that ankle injury. I, and defensively, we saw what the, the Eagles did. Up front, kind of neutralizing uh, Russell Wilson. I think the Packers have that same kind of personnel. You, you've got the Zendarius Smith, you got Preston Smith in the outside. Uh, you got some dogs like Mike Daniels inside to stop the run. I think Blake Martinez is an underrated middle linebacker. Not a lot of people talk about and Adrian Amos on the backs. And so yes. the defense is going to be able to to make some plays to give Aaron Rodgers the opportunity to have possessions and to run the football and run the clock out with Aaron Jones and keep Russell Wilson on the sidelines. This is why I like Green Bay. It's going to be snowing. I know Seattle does well in outdoor environments, but this is going to be close too. I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle wins this anyways, but I'm baking on two weeks to prepare. Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers having two weeks to prepare for Seattle. I think he is the one quarterback that's going to benefit the most from that layoff.
1: Yeah, definitely. You're, you make up a great point as far as Aaron Rodgers. I think he needed that time to continue to get that rapport with the receivers and continue to get as sharp as he possibly can for this uh, playoff run that he's about to end, uh, encounter. You're absolutely right. I, I, I'm i agree with you. I'm going to pick the Packers to win this game as well. Uh, I, just, I just think that right now they're a better team. Seattle was a good football team, but to me, it's something missing there, Sebby. I don't yeah, know where is. They're relying it's, it's, on Russell Wilson a lot. It's like. something, it's, yeah, you're right. It's something there. It's something that's missing there from that team for me to say, okay, they can go into Lambeau and get a big playoff win in the second round. I think Aaron Rodgers and this team understands the moment they understand this, that the way this team is constructed, they're built to for a long playoff run. I think the biggest matchup in this game for me, that's going to determine the outcome is Jair Alexander and Kevin King versus DK Metcalf. And I, th- I think that matchup right there is going to really determine the, uh, how this game is going to play out because they're going to be battling all day. Jair Alexander, and Kevin King are gonna go at Beckcalf and also Tyler Lockett the entire time. So it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting battle between between those the secondary and the wide receivers. And I think that's gonna to, gonna to be a big determining factor. But you're right, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is gonna um is gonna ball out. Aaron Rodgers is gonna do his thing. He's gonna get he's, of course it's gonna be um some times where you know the Seattle defense gets the best of him and things of that nature. But I think you're right, that layoff I think not only helps Aaron Rodgers, but it helps everybody on this offense. And I think I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, Sevy. Aaron, I, one of the, one of the biggest keys in this game is Aaron Jones to me. Aaron Jones has been running the football very effectively this year. Uh, he he's he's doubt he's proved all the naysayers wrong. He's given this he's helped give this Packers team a very strong running game. Give me the Green Bay Packers to win this game at home in uh, in, a, in a tight, close, uh, semi-low scoring game.
0: Yeah, definitely there. So we both agree on the Packers. Both agree on Baltimore we split on the KC and the Houston yep. uh, matchup, and then uh, we split as well on the Niners and the Vikings. So, for me, it would be Deshaun going to Baltimore for the title game, and then Aaron Rodgers going back to his childhood dream, his childhood team that yep. you, he definitely used to root Ooh, for in boy. California going against the Niners yet again. That's a rematch that we saw early on this year that would be for the NRC title game. And you've got Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson—that'd be fantastic as well. Absolutely, uh, and you'd have the Vikings going to the Bay. Uh, uh, Vikings, excuse me, going to Lambo. That would be a rematch of a division game. So, wow, that—that'd be interesting as well. So, that be something? Oh, yeah, yeah that—that'd be something there as well. Hi, I'm Alwyn Morgan Jr. with Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida, and I would love to give a special thanks to the SEBI podcast crew and all
1: that they do to keep me up date with everything sports during this busy tax season. Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace
0: of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If this sounds like you, please reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs and be sure to let us know that Sebi Podcast sent you. Thank you. We are back here inside Studio Z. Our last segment here today. We shifted the NBA, Mike. Uh, it's been a three almost a three-week layoff for the holidays. I know you took a couple of weeks to recuperate with your fam, and so did I as well. A lot has happened. Christmas Day, the Clippers, for some reason, just having the Lakers number, uh, things that happened there. Philadelphia got a huge win against uh, the Bucks, and then all of a sudden they've been on a four-game losing tune until last night when it was snapped against OKC when they won. So they've been on a little free for all. Boston has been steady. Uh but your thoughts in the last couple of weeks, what you've seen, Mike, a- any team that stood out to you, uh that's are like or that you've 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 marveled at?
1: Uh definitely the Oklahoma City Thunder and definitely uh the Memphis the Memphis the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies have been playing some very competitive basketball over the last few weeks. John Moran to me in my opinion right now is the easy rookie of the year so far. You know, it's still a lot, a lot, of time to go, but so far, up to this point, he's he's the rookie of the year in my opinion. He's 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 taking the street ball game to another level. His game is his game. The way he's able to maneuver, the way he's able to, you know, he's so shifty, he's quick, and you know, he gets his players, his teammates involved, and he, you could tell, he's galvanized this 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 organization so far, and has them playing at a high level. So definitely Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies, and definitely the Oklahoma City Thunder because OKC. Uh with Chris Paul, Shea Gildas Alexander has been playing outstanding basketball. Outstanding. Uh Dennis Schroeder has been playing great coming off the bench, along with Steven Adams in the paint, giving you what he can give you. So this Oklahoma City team in the month of December was one of the top teams. They had eleven wins throughout that throughout that uh, uh stretch. And they've definitely a team I've been paying attention to over the last few weeks because, you know, they're very, very physical, they're a very physical basketball team and if they can get into the playoffs they will they, be, be a, be a nice, little, nice little test for somebody. I'm not going to say they're going to beat anybody, but they will be, be a nice little warm-up test for
0: them. Yep, that's right. SGA has been fantastic. Shaw Gilgis Alexander, 19.8 points per game. Oh, yeah. He's definitely flourished under Billy Donovan. I think this is the first year, Mike, I can say Billy Donovan has a chance to coach. You know, sometimes you get overwhelmed by these stars. Paul George, KD his last season, Russell Westbrook for three, four seasons and, uh, and all those times. But now It's sad because in the NBA you gotta have stars because stars and talent trumps, you know, mediocrity. But this is we've seen him do this in Florida with just subpar talent and 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 work with, and that's exactly what he's done with Oklahoma City right now as well. They've they've been fantastic as well, and wow, like I've been impressed, my God, they've been phenomenal. What they've done in December, you're right, like. I was asking myself, are they a, a top power ranking top ten team or, or something? They've been phenomenal. Um Jabba okay. Rant, it's it's not fair, Mike. Oh, Rant, man. It's, <laughs> you can't stay in front of him. You gotta give him space. He can shoot it. You you push up, he can blow by you. He kind I said yours are <laughs> he saved Kevin Love's career with not not doing the air Jordan duck on him. <laughs> and, I mean, this guy is just incredible. We haven't seen that type of athleticism, talent, besides maybe Russell Westbrook uh, since then, it, this guy is just unbelievable right now. I agree with you. Runaway frontrunner for uh, Rookie of the Year at the Money as well. I was at the Magic game last night uh, Okay, the Nets. And and um, I won't say I've, I got front row seats, Mike, but I had some really good seats. Let's so just put it that way. And yeah. uh, I really got a chance to see Spencer Whitty in the Nets and stuff. Orlando's caught my eye, Mike. Uh, Markel Fultz. He oh looks, yeah, he looks he looks in game shape. Twenty five points. Um, obviously the the shot is continue to be a gradual thing that that has to be a progression. But this guy can get in the paint, Mike. He can get anywhere, any spot that he wants. He can post up smaller defenders. He can post up bigger defenders. He can get in the lane. He can slash, and he's dangerous in the open floor in transition. And so, uh, I thought that's been for Steve Clifford's team. The Magic right now sitting 7th, the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're a little sneaky team. I ain't going to say they ain't going to mean nobody, but they, they've been impressive to me thus far. And so just some some teams right there and, and, and that
1: that's that's caught my attention, Mike. Got you. And I'm not going to lie to you, Seve. You're absolutely right about the Magic. The Magic have been looking real good. And it feels so good to hear you talk about Markel <laughs> Fultz because, you know, I, I grew up Markel Force grew up in this area and watching him play in high school and, you know, AAU and college and so forth, mm-hmm. hearing all the naysayers and all the negativity about his game and stuff about, you know, is he a bust? I, it was it was crazy. We, we couldn't believe it out here, sebi So just to see him healthy now and back to showing people why he was the number one overall pick is absolutely amazing. And, you know, with with a great coach like, like Clifford and all out there in Orlando, they're getting them right. So yeah, I'm, you're right. Orlando is on the up and coming. And uh, they're, they're, they're geared for another chance to get into the playoffs. But, Sebby, I'm not going to lie to you. I missed out. You said the last couple of weeks. And I got to throw a team in there that's going to shock you.
0: Oh, man, let me see. That's your Washington Wizards, huh? The
1: Washington Wizards, Sebby, <laughs> And I'll tell you exactly why. Sebby, let me tell you the teams that we've beaten, uh, the, the last three teams that we've beaten. The Miami Heat, the Denver Nuggets, and the Boston Celtics. Yeah. All three of those games, Sebby. All three of those games, we won without Bradley Beal, Thomas Bryant, and Rui Hachimura, our three best players. This Wizards team has impressed me beyond beyond measures so far this, this past week and a half or so. I, I've been very impressed with this team and how they play each other. Ish Smith. I'm going to say it right now, Sevy Ish Smith. Mike is Troy, Brown. Troy Brown. Troy Brown as well, Mike. Baller. He's a flat-out baller. I mean, this guy is special. He, right now, he's playing free. You can just tell he's letting it fly. And the last few games, he has been putting the Wizards on his back. And he's just—he's a showstopper, Sevy. because he got—he has the handle. He can dance on you. He has the—he has the finishing at the rim. He reminds me of a, a poor man's version of Kyrie, because because of what he can do on the court with the ball, as far as dribbling and finishing at, at the rim. This guy is special. He, he's a special young point guard. And I know a lot of a lot of Wizards fans weren't too high on him because of you know the stint that he had in Detroit. But, I mean, he has resurrected himself tremendously and just com- completely came all the way out with the injury to John Walling and-, and using that as full opportunity to make a name for himself. I've been very impressed with the Wizards and without Bertons, The young guys like Garrison Matthews, uh, 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 Pastnicks, who's a two-way player, coming over from the G League. Uh, uh, Schofield was able to get some good minutes. Jordan McRae has been playing very well. Isaiah Thomas, this young core, this young core, has been playing very well together, and I love the total team aspect that I'm seeing from the Wizards. This Wizards team is, is, is playing very well right now, and over the last couple of weeks, I've been very impressed with them. They don't have a good record. They're more than likely not getting into the playoffs, but over the last couple of weeks, I've been very impressed with what I've seen from the Washington Wizards. Not not something I want to
0: hear, Mike. Obviously, not since <laughs> it has been a victim last night. I was thinking about you when they <laughs> when they lost, but I must admit, Troy Brown is what has really stepped up. Jordy McRae yes. as well. Another yes. uh, rotational player that's really stepped up for them. Uh, and, and so Scott Brooks, always in a hot seat, um, hasn't done anything. But he, apparently he's having these guys buy in and believing in themselves. Uh, and and that's translated into wins thus far on the floor. So let's, exactly. let's move ahead to now, Mike. We're in a new calendar year. There are power rankings that we do every week. Obviously, nothing's changed in the top two. Milwaukee, 32 and 5. Mike, here's a stat for you. Milwaukee 23 and one this season against teams under 500 right mm-hmm. obviously they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do it teams that's under 500 23 and one and of course <clears throat> what what you should worry about Mike is aside from that though that they're, they're 23 and, and and five but they're only four and four against you know elite teams so we'll see how the bucks can matchup against, uh, uh moving on forward, the new calendar here, the Los Angeles Lakers, 29 and 8, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, much we say, a resurrection for Dwight Howard and his career. Mike, it's been announced early on this year that the Lakers today, about two hours ago, has fully committed and given Dwight Howard a fully guaranteed contract for the remainder of the season. So, that is going to be huge for them. Well-deserved. More- well deserved for him as well. The Boston Celtics at three, three and oh last week, and um, you know being victims last night. Not proud of that. But uh, <laughs> um, without Kimba Walker, they've they've been staying afloat. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Mike, the Celtics may have three potential All Stars this season. Yep. Kemba and the career years of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I believe they have the best young duos in the NBA. You got the Clippers at four. They were embarrassed by the Knicks. Uh, not, not the Knicks, excuse me. By John ja Morant the other day. They put foot yep. down. But what they did, Mike, is they had Harrow go for 30. George go for 30. Lou Williams go for 30 against the Knicks. Yep. And, and and the first team to do that in a long time. And so that just shows you when the Clippers really want to put their head together and not take a team lightly, the type of damage they can do. And to round out the top five, the Miami Heat as well. Jimmy Butler, Tyra Heat. Tyler Hero. All, every time I look up, Mike Hero wants to play hero ball. He, oh he's, yeah, he's huge in clutch moments oh, and yeah. high leverage moments. of Bio has been excellent for them as an undersized center. They've got great depth. I think that's that's the thing that we don't talk about. exposure team. They got great depth. You got we know about none. When, but the thing is they got going tragic off the bench. They've got K- Winslow coming off the bench. This is an excellent team. So that's the top five there.
1: Got you, and and, and and real quick, if I may, Sebby, just to, just to make another point about the Celtics Wizards game last night, uh, you you are right. I wasn't I wasn't expecting us to win, but but not only that game, but against the Nuggets, we had 92 bench points. Sebby, you know that's the most the most bench points ever since 1977.
0: That's that's incredible. That's amazing. 92 bench points. That's
1: crazy. That's crazy. But but to, but to this to this top five. I agree with it. I mean, you know, Milwaukee has been doing their thing. They've been steady. And you know, the the the, the same thing that we're I hadn't noticed that stat, Sebby. The same thing that we're lamenting, uh, that we're talking about that we're downgrading the Lakers as far as, you know, the competition that they've played. We have to look at Milwaukee the same way. Yes, they've taken care of business against the uh the the sub five hundred teams and we can't uh knock that because it's so easy to take nights off these days. Um but being four four against the elite teams in the league, that that uh that's a that's a pretty elite stat. That's a big time stat. And it's something that uh that that uh, the, the the Bucks need to get get straightened out later uh, later on in the season because teams are going to start to pay attention to that. But the Lakers, the Lakers, you're right. The the Lakers have um they, they've looked pretty well the last 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 week or so. I, I don't mind them being right there right. and with the rankings and things of that nature. Um, Miami Heat. I've been very impressed with the Miami Heat. They've been the the team this year that I've been uh that they, they've been the most one of the most enjoyable teams to watch this year. But they I've been I've been continuously impressed with them. Uh, throughout this entire season, because you're right, Tyler Hero is a gamer. He's a he's a he's a big time play playmaker, and I'm not gonna lie to you, Sevi. This Miami defense is real. It's legit, and, yep. and they 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 get after it. That game against Toronto, I was watching it uh, last week. I really want that to be a playoff matchup because that's gonna be an old school defensive seven game series. That that is not gonna be a lot of points scored, but it's gonna be physical, and I, and I like this Miami team. They they really take over that Pat Riley culture, the culture of this team. Is, is, is very good. And you're right, Tyler Harrow has been amazing. Jimmy Butler has stepped into that leadership role and, and played played very well. Out of Bios, having a career year. He's having a great year this year so far. So um, I've been very impressed with the Miami Heat. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm perfectly fine with this list. And the Clippers, you're right, the Clippers got a big win on Christmas Day. They're, they're a more physical and mentally tougher team than the Lakers, in my opinion. That's why they won twice. And uh, this last week, you're right, doing what they did against the Knicks, that was a special basketball game. You know, watching those three put on a show, Lou Williams, Harold and George, the way that they did, it was special. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was tough losing to the, to the Grizzlies, but that, you know, that it, was, it was just a bad night. It happens during the 82 game season, but I, I I would agree with this top five. I'm cool with it. Yep. Yeah. And much, much like what you said, Mike
0: with the bucks, I want to piggyback on the Lakers as well. we got to question ourselves uh, against elite teams. They haven't gotten it done. The right. Bucks, the, 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 the Clippers, obviously they're 0-2 thus far in four meetings. So, We'll see how they do there. They're already, uh, I think they're uh, two and one uh, against the Dallas Mavericks. But the the, the higher uh, upper enchalant teams in the NBA, I, I think LeBron James is bored. He's he's one of those guys that is, this is he's Nipsey Mike. This isn't a race. This is a marathon for him. He's looking right. to get into the playoff in game shape, healthy for them to do some damage. But it matters in a Western Conference in seeding. He has to yep. put that in consideration, Mike. This is not yep. an Eastern Conference. Can't pace yourself, and then look up. Oh, you're fifth seed, and then you got to play a, a very tough Dallas team or a very tough Utah team in the first round. Well, you could have right. avoided that and played perhaps uh, a, a, a Oklahoma Pelican City or, or, or Pelicans team, right? Like that. Yeah, right. So that's a couple of things to keep an eye on there uh, for sure as well. Before we wind down today, Mike, I know this is off topic. When we meet again next Tuesday. It will be the day after the national title game. We gotta hit on that quickly. You, we split on Clemson and Ohio State. I knew about Clemson. I thought that in higher leverage moment, Trevor Lawrence would be the difference. That he was. was. Ohio State blew it. You could say that um, as well. And, and LSU just took care of business. So it's gonna be in the Superdome, LSU and Clemson. Before we leave here, Mike, your first thoughts and and, and your Reaction
1: and the result. What do you expect down there in next Monday night? In uh, New Orleans, uh, b- before I may, I want to say, yeah, you absolutely right. Uh, Ohio State blew that game. You know when you dominate the way that they, they did, having three hundred yards in the first half, but you only have sixteen points. It reminds me of that Buffalo Houston game. You just got to capitalize when when you when you're going against a great team, and they didn't do it. And Trevor Lawrence capitalized in the second half, and he made he made big time plays to win the game. But for this game, LSU Clemson, oh man. Chevy, yeah. We're in for a treat of, our, yeah, a treat of, a of treat, all Mike. treats. Yep. We're in for a big time treat with this one because it's in a dome and these two have you gotta expect the shootout. You gotta expect this to be a big time shootout in a dome. And you have to worry about the no weather. Uh these are two top quarterbacks that are gonna are geared to put on a show. If I had to lean towards one way, I'm gonna lean towards LSU. And I'm not too confident with it because this is such a back and forth game. Trevor Lawrence and this uh hasn't lost a game in his entire career as a Clemson starting quarterback. And um, you know, picking them to win lose this game is, is tough. But I just think the LSU offense is a little bit too much of a juggernaut, and they're gonna make oh, the, those four. Those it's going this game is gonna come down to four to five plays. And I think LSU will make three or four of those plays and really be the difference in winning this ballgame. Give me the LSU Tigers to be the national champions. And, Sebby, how fitting would that be for Joe Brady and this LSU team? For Joe Brady to win a national championship in the same building where he was, the head, where he was a, 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 on the coaching staff last year, that's just a great story to me. And, and Mike, what, what, we've heard noises about Sean Payton being a hot seat. What if he were to come
0: back and be the next head coach of the Saints? Wow. What, what, how fitting would that be? Wouldn't, and that's, that 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 would be what what a story would that be i wouldn't if i was a reporter a journalist in down there in the bayou i wouldn't know what what type of story to write about that but back to the game here i've said it all along i'm sticking with the clemson tigers uh it you, it's the all tigers matchup right you got lsu tigers clemson tigers uh um it, it's 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 going to be riveting mike i i think wow it, you, you Mike, it's, so you hard, me, right? it's, it's hard because you're telling me to pick Joe Burrow against right. Trevor Lawrence. I tell you, flip a coin, you know, it's hard, but you know what? I think the difference maker in this game, Mike, is not these two quarterbacks. I think the defensive coordinator for Clemson, Brett Venable's defense, what he did against Justin Fields in that second half and what he's done against the two attack of the lowest of the world in these title games. I think he is the key. Because I can guarantee you this, Mike. I know you're going to watch this game. He's going to have some blitz packages or in some defensive schemes that Burrow hasn't seen all year. And he ain't afraid to come after him. So he's going to have to be ready for the blitz. He's going to have to be ready for weird-looking coverages. Uh, he might think it's a blitz, and then they might settle back and, oh, wow. And so I think Brent Venable, Double Swinney's defensive coordinator is actually going to be the key to victory for Clemson because this is an Oklahoma's defense, right? This is right. a Teewee defense. This is Clemson Tigers. You legit have eight, nine man individuals that are going in the f- top three rounds in the net upcoming draft, and so right. Joe Burrow has to know that he has to. He has to be patient. There are going to be times he has to get the checkdowns. He's going to be times he just has to take a punt, you know. So. Um, Brett Venable, to me, is going to be the difference maker in this game, So, uh, and that ultimately is going to give Clemson opportunities. I'm taking the Tigers to win and be champions yet again three times in the last four years.
1: What a dynasty. Or oh, what a dynasty. And Seve, if they do that, they, they, they've taken over in the Alabama spot as the top team in college football if they do that. No doubt. I mean, three, three team, three times, three championships in four years with, with the two quarterbacks that he that Dabo Swinney has done it with and Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, oh, that would be special. That'd and be I can see it happening, to Seve. Like I said, this is one of the hardest games to pick in a while. I've really been going back and forth. Ever since the uh, ever since we've gotten this matchup, I've been going back and forth about who I want to want to win this game or who I think is going to win because it's just so back and forth the matchups. And yes, LSU's offense is so lethal, but, Cle- but Cle- Clemson has the defense to match it. They have the, the players to match it. So it's it's, it's, it's going to come down to schemes. It's going to come down to uh, you know uh, X's and O's and things of that nature. But I, I just I just think Joe Burrow in this offense is a little bit too much. Yeah, for this for this Clemson team. But uh, you're right, Sebby. I I can't even be mad at you for going with Clemson because it's really a pick 'em game. Yes, it is a pick 'em
0: game there for sure.
1: Ed Orgeron, Dabo Swinney, <laughs> Joe Burrow,
0: Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I mean, come on now. You've got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, uh, Justin Ross, and, yep. and Justin Jefferson. The <laughs> list goes on. Alabama, uh, LSU and Clemson Monday night. In the bayou, should be in for a treat there for sure. And that was our show tonight, folks. Myself and Michael Gray. Any last thoughts for you, Mike, before you head out?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, definitely, man. Just uh, it's, 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 I, I'm very intrigued to see this national championship game, and I'm and I'm also very intrigued to see these playoffs because these these playoffs are really going to tell us a lot. And I and I, yeah, watch out for my Washington Wizards. You know, you know what time it is. <laughs>
0: Well that's Washington Wizards for a year, and I'll be on
1: and I'll definitely uh be, be on the lookout, Steve, for the Georgetown game uh, tomorrow. I'll be I'll be covering the Georgetown St. John's game tomorrow.
0: There you go. Washington's finest, DMV's finest, Michael Gray with us and on a gorgeous night here in Side Studios. We want to say so long for night, so long for night, folks. Thank you for listening and tuning in to us in this week's episode. And we'll be back next Tuesday, 6:30 Eastern. Good night, folks you've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes have no fear the sebi podcast experience is still here you can check us out at our website at sebi again that is sebi for any of our audio segments on spotify and itunes and some of our streaming visuals on our youtube website and links there at sebipodcast.info some cool merch if you want to dm us and send us all of your email requests we'll be sure to get them here on the sebi podcast experience and remember folks whether you're listening on air or viewing online sebi podcast is wherever you go and that is the slogan